yourself. Look at this sawdust talk. We're talking in sawdust. That's a big bush. <laughs> Twas indeed. And we're going live sure on you're Instagram. Maintaining and controlling your your Brayden, I gotta I gotta say I'm impressed with your high techiness. I don't I don't know. I have an echo now, which isn't gonna be great. I'm not hearing it for you. Nor am I. You've got a feedback loop on your celery phone. Yeah, no, I'm just on the computer, but I just muted it, so I got it. I am smarter than your average woodworker. Monkey. Not wood no, definitely not woodworker. Uh hey guys. Welcome to another episode of Sawdust Talk, which you're probably wondering why uh, Sadie from the Awesome Orange looks the way that she does, uh, mainly the beard thing. And I'm uh, green. Not and green, obviously. I don't know if anybody saw the story, but unfortunately, Sadie wasn't feeling uh, 100% tonight, so... We're winging it, and who better to wing it with than our dear friend, Patrick Genzel. Patrick, Hooray! hey, bud. Hey, how's it going? Um, special thanks to our sponsors, Surf Prep, George Supply Co. Uh, we could definitely do what we do without them, but it wouldn't be nearly as much fun, and sandings would still suck. So thanks to them. We appreciate them. We appreciate what they do in the community. I don't know. A lot uh, of people say sanding sucks, but I kind of find it cathartic. It is for the first 15, 20 minutes. That's right. That's Hour true. three sanding is no. Most of, most of my products that I sell are small, so 15 minutes and I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah, it's sanding is the worst. Um, I just there's there's just no there's no good way to sand. It's only less worse. It's never great. That's my personal opinion. I, I can agree. Standing on the lathe actually isn't that bad because, you know, you just like stand there and hold sandpaper and the wood spins against it. So like, I mean, it's not that bad. But I've, I've never actually used it. a lathe. Never used a lathe? I've never used a lathe and I know I'm missing something. I know I'm missing out. I mean, well, I mean it is as much fun as you can have in your workshop with your pants on, bud. I'm going to have to get one. Can you lathe with no pants on? I'm mm. sure you can. You can do anything without pants on. High risk, high reward. I don't know if the reward is worth the risk for doing a lathe with your trousers off. <laughs> I guess we should probably follow our like general format. This is just such a wing it episode. Um, We're going to have fun. I'm Braden with Little Bug Woodworking. I do a little bit of everything. CNC, flat work, cornhole boards. I don't know. I just do what the money says I need to do that day. So that's what I do. TJ. I'm TJ with TJT Workshop down over in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, most of my woodwork takes place on a lathe, but uh, we've got years of flat work under our belt and do a little bit of welding and a little bit of 3D printing and you know, fun times are had by all. And I'm Patrick Gensel. Uh, I make content. I sell stuff on Etsy. Uh, I have a lot of fun with 3D printing and playing with wood. I was trying to think of a joke for that, but they're... I'm actually pretty... 
I'm pretty disappointed in you. I'm disappointed in you. Oh no, they they were there. I was just trying to figure out how to like PG thirteenify them fast enough, and it uh, a lot of kids listening to Sawdust talk. Look, this is Sawdust Uh, talk after dark. We learned last week with Luke that you can say whatever the fuck you want, right? (laughs) That is true. You can curse, but I I draw the line at the genital talk. That's how you get unlisted, and I'm not a hundred percent sure what unlisted means. That's true. Uh, I think you have to tell Patreon that you actually are making adult content. <laughs> That's, That's a, a great story. That's a great story. Um, so, Patrick, you've been doing a lot of 3D printing and some lives. What what on earth have you been doing for the last like two months since we last chatted with you? Uh, well, we had... We had work or not WorkbenchCon. That was a long time ago. We had Maker Camp more, most recently. Um, I went on a couple trips, uh, not maker related. Did some mountain climbing out in California, um, but mostly I've reignited my love of three D printing. Three D printing in the last couple months, and that I think all started back in March when I bought the Bamboo uh, X One Carbon. It's a lot more enjoyable when you can print a file in two hours versus ten hours. That's how you have fun with a 3D printer. <laughs> yeah. And I'm actually at a, at the point now where it's not fast enough to keep up with what I'm designing. So I'm considering buying another X1 before the uh, tax year ends. Well, again, a good CPA can help make that happen for you. <laughs> yep. Indeed. But yeah, no, I've got a, a resin printer that I use for making D&D miniatures and stuff. And uh, kind of like this guy, but sized up that's a hero yeah. forge that's a hero forge mini if you're familiar oh, with hero forge everybody loves playing on hero forge ah i wasted um, so many hours on that thing yeah and did you get was that printed by hero forge in full no, color this, no i started painting it this was uh printed with my elegumars pro 2 and i just started painting it it's it's one of those things where i start painting and then i lose interest and then it sits in the corner for several months yeah, that's what the glass case of shame from IKEA is all about. That's true. Isn't uh, that like the uh, isn't that like the sign of being a true maker? Getting ninety percent through a whole bunch of different projects, and then just like putting in the in the corner until uh, until you've got like guests coming over later that day. Then that's when you need to finish it. Yeah, somebody uh, uh, one of the rock their post recently was talking about dust collection, and somebody made a comment. Uh, they're unfinished projects were how they collected dust in their shop. And I said, I see what you they said there and I, or did there and I can relate a hundred percent. We have our first question, actually. Patrick, do you have any thoughts on the Elegu Neptune four, just as a yeah. hobbyist entry level machine? Uh, I actually am. Would, I wouldn't consider myself a hobbyist. I would consider myself more above that and i'm considering buying that printer to use for production for smaller or bigger stuff um for those who don't know the the neptune 4 max is a large format printer so it's actually got like a 15 inch by 15 inch print volume so it's huge and that's filament resin filament and it's currently okay last i checked on amazon yesterday or the day before it was under 500 dollars and it's they're they're boasting print speeds near not 
not not up there, but near what the X1 Carbon can do. I don't know how accurate or how good it'll look at that speed, but they're saying they can do like 350 millimeters a second or something like that. So I'm hearing good things. I actually saw it in person at uh, the East Coast Rep Rap Festival uh, a couple weeks ago. It's cool. You need a lot of uh, you need a lot of desk space if you're gonna get it because it's a pretty pretty big machine. But um, I think I think it's great as a hobby. I think we're at a point where um, the Ender Three is no longer gonna be something I recommend as like a bare bones starting machine. I'm sorry, Braden. Um, there's just so there's so many good machines now that are dialed in um, that uh, I just can't I I can't recommend that one anymore. Um, I know Dave, and I agree with him, 3D DIY Dave is uh, starting to recommend the new uh, Bamboo A1 for like an entry-level printer. And I think that's a that's a great option too. But yeah, if you want to print large format, uh, I'd say go for it on the uh, Neptune 4. Yeah, I see the stuff that you guys have coming off of your bamboos. and It's ridiculous how good it is. Yeah, that is a perfectly correct phrase to describe it like the the surface finish that you guys are getting off of that is yep. i don't okay. even i ha, my ender's pretty dialed in and get some pretty good results but i don't sell anything anymore that comes off my ender because i just compared to the bamboo i just i can't i can't put my uh my my mark on it and send it out into the world it, it it's perfectly functional for functional parts it's just not quite as polished looking as the stuff that comes off the uh bamboo product so why the why the pull on the Ender Three? Um, like just this uh the Elegoo that he mentioned is a good a good example for f less than five hundred dollars, you're getting a faster uh, printer with a higher a volume print bed, and Elegoo has just really built a good name in in their 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 staple is resin printers, but they uh they've been putting out some quality filament machines as well. And I mean, what, what, what'd you pay for your Ender? Like two fifty? I paid 200 bucks. Okay. Did, was that, was that new? Yeah, that was new, okay. but that was a, uh, what's the, what's the uh, computer Prime. part store? Oh, uh, micro, uh, micro center. center. That was a micro center Instagram coupon gotcha. special. So I don't know. On average, I see Ender's going for like two fifty. Um, and to really dial an ender in, you're probably, probably going to spend another hundred bucks, um, for just some stuff, some nice to have things. Whereas you can spend 450 on something like that. Um, even the, the new bamboo a one is with the, with, with all the bells and whistle is 450 bucks. So I think it's yeah. the day, the days of the ender as a, uh, as anything more than a hobbyist tinkering machine or if you want to have a print farm on the cheap and you have the time to dial them in and make them perfect they're great for that but i think uh if for somebody who's just getting started in 3d printing and wants to just start make making stuff i think there's a lot better options than the ender now and mine's the v2 if that makes yeah. any difference oh yeah so that, i've got the self-leveling bed and yep that is things. nice i have a v1 my my ender's worth as much as a prusa now with all the crap I have, I put a, uh, all metal hot end on it. I put a direct drive extruder so that the filament is fed right at the hot end, not back over on the gantry. Like it is out of the box. 
which is uh, that helps for like uh, TPU flexible filament. And the all metal hot end allows you to get it hotter so you can do things like nylon or uh, pet G or stuff like that. So it, 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 you can definitely make an Ender a solid machine, but it's going to require a lot more work and money than buying something like one of these newer generation machines um, that come out of the box ready to roll. And can so you tell do us the hotter filaments on the bamboo as well. Yeah, you can do like engineering grade stuff on the bamboo. I haven't done anything like nylon on it, but I run PET G through it all the time and it, it works great. Gotcha. Like I know with, with my Ender, it was always a crapshoot whether I was going to have a good PET G print or not. And with the Ender, I've had maybe one failure and it was just a setup issue on my part uh, in the model. That is one thing that I'm coming to kind of find. And I, I can't, I can't decide if it's a, I don't know what I'm doing thing or if it's a, just the Ender is, you know, kind of a hobbyist type machine, but I have the hardest time getting stuff like dialed in. And I feel like I'm constantly adjusting the Z offset, the yep. temperatures, the speeds, like I'm almost having to trick it to get my first three layers in bef without it like rippling and like just being jumped. I've, ha I've had an ender for four years at this point and there's still times where I think I know what I'm doing and it's not perfect where I'm almost getting to the point where I don't remember how to do all that stuff because literally on the bamboo, unless I'm doing something experimental, it's just press the button and it goes and as long as I have enough glue on the bed, it's going to stick and it's going to look great. Yeah. Oh, that that is the one thing I need have to do, like a three-layer raft oh, because yeah. of inconsistencies in bed level. And then, yeah. like, by the time you get to layer three on the raft, like, it's kind of You're made good. Own yeah. sort of plane to yeah. build on. Yep. Yeah, it's but. crazy. With, with the bamboo, It's the X1 Carbon has the LiDAR and then the uh, bed probing. And it's just amazing how it can offset for a lot of different inconsistencies in the bed. So the the new bamboo that came out, like it's kind of like a funky little thing. It has yeah. multicolor filament like off to the side. Yep. And it like it doesn't have like a traditional gantry type. No, it's if you if you've ever seen the um, the um, Prusa Mini. It's very much similar to that in that everything runs off an arm on the side. The, the I guess that would be the x-axis or the y-axis rides on a the z-axis rides on on a pillar, and then the x and y um, are the bed, and then the uh, the hot end. Um, and the the uh, bamboo A one is very much like that in design. It's I'm it's a it's a smaller bed. Um, so that's something for people to keep in mind. It's smaller than the Ender, um, but it's got multicolor, multi-material capabilities, and um, fast printing for four hundred fifty bucks. That's I'm, yeah, I'm diving into three D printing in a way that's probably unhealthy for my wallet. Uh, mm -hmm. I got the Ender. Again, as it was a micro center deal, I figured for 200 bucks, you know, it's something to play around with. And I, yep. I wanted to get into it, but figured buying a $1,500 bamboo was just an irresponsible way to dive into the deep end of 3D printing. It's you're going to learn a lot going the ender route. That's for sure. Um, a lot of the people who are getting into 3D printing now and starting with something like a bamboo or a, a newer Prusa, uh, 
where things for the most part just work, aren't learning the little nuances. And you know, a lot of people who are buying 3D printers to produce things don't care about that. They just need it to work. But people like us who like to tinker and know how things work, something like starting on Ender is a good way to get a crash course on how 3D printing fundamentally works. Yeah, I'm already... I'm already at the point where I'm looking at buying a second machine. Like I thought about getting a second ender or getting like getting something else just because yeah. I locked up my machine with one 60 hour print. Yeah. And I was like, but I still want to play. Like mm-hmm. there's still so much stuff I want to just yeah. mess around I, with. Until I got the bamboo, I had two enders here. And for that reason, because I would get a design going that I, that I designed and wanted to start printing it, but then I was working on something else or needed to do something for production. And I couldn't do it because the the time that takes to print something on the ender is slow. So, excuse me, I grabbed a second um, ender to kind of alleviate that pain. And I'm at that point now with the bamboo where I need to get a second machine to uh, keep my uh, workflow not, not slowed down, especially as I, launch more 3d printing 3d printed style products into my etsy shop and soon i'm going to be launching my actual website see uh black diamond woodcraft asked on a scale of one to ten how hard is it to learn 3d printing i think you're you're a great person to ask that question too two or three maybe it's not very hard it's it's hard to master 3d printing on a machine like an ender where you are constantly tinkering but if you're going to get into 3D printing now with the machines that are out there, it's probably not much more difficult than learning to print on your paper printer. You just have to have it set up right. The hard part, what what gets difficult, and even that's not so bad anymore if you have a, 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 a computer-type mind, is modeling for 3D printing. Because you can model a design of a piece of furniture that you're going to build that you're going to build in the physical world. You're not going to use a a machine like a 3d printer to build it. So it doesn't matter how it stands on your digital build plate. Whereas if you design something for 3d printer, you have to think about things like overhangs, um, uh, parts floating out in space that aren't going to print um, unless you provide support for that overhang or floating uh, out in space part to, uh, to print on. So, um, one of the biggest things about designing for 3D printing is learning how to optimize your print time by building and designing things in such a way that they print with the mo- minimal amount of supports possible while still being um, able to perform the task uh, that they're being designed to do. And I, uh... I guess as, as, a, as a woodworking podcast, um, anybody who is out there... Uh, um, there, whose eyes are glazing over talk listening to this uh i do think having a 3d printer is 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 a good addition to a wood shop um because it, it, if you have a little bit of a design mind you can use it to create jigs and um one-off jigs i, I know like typically yeah the the, the hold downs for a cnc that's a great example because you and I both know that as much as you plan a CNC project, you're still going to at some point run the bit right through your hold down. And it doesn't do a damn pro- a thing to your uh, bit if you run it through a 3D printed hold down. Um, so that's a, that's a great example of why a, a 3D printer is practical in a wood shop. Another example 
I needed a very specific uh, drill bushing for something I was making. And I know plastic isn't a great uh, drill bushing um, I, um, material, but if you're using it for one project, it's a great uh, in the minute, like kind of quick uh, solution to the problem of having a, needing a drill bushing to drill straight. So that was something I did last year. And if I didn't have a 3D printer, I would have had to got, get on Amazon, find the drill bushing I need, wait for it, uh, or go to a local wood, woodworking store and hope that they had it where I just popped into Fusion 360, uh, drew a hole, extruded it out, and printed it, and then I had a drill bushing. A bunch of my sharpening jigs for my lathe tools, which are really fun, complex shapes and curves and mm -hmm. all of that. Uh, you can find setup stuff. Uh, and then, believe it or not, like people forget that there's a billion different storage solutions. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, you I'm looking three D print. And I'm looking like, at the hex wall right now, and uh, across from me, the honeycomb storage wall. That's a great system. Yeah, so, yeah. Thanks. You've you've really tied up my my three D printer showing me that it's basically printing, printing those grids. It's basically nonstop printing grids yeah. at this point because for whatever dumb reason, I thought, well, shoot, I'm going to cover this whole wall in grid because it'll look cool. I've already got I've already gone through two fill, two rolls of black making the panels, um, and on my my printer's fast and it still takes three hours per panel. So I've got twenty some hours into the, into the, these grids, but it looks awesome, and there's so many ways to use it. Okay, so can I request a uh, an Instagram reel out of you of uh, vase mode on the bamboo just because I, I want to see it just completely yeah. burp out? Um, I'm going to make note of that. Of what? So, Using vase mode, spiralize. Yeah, spiralizing just the, the complete outside. And it doesn't even have to be like a crazy folded geometric shape vase or something like that, but... Well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to have fun with it. Yeah, but like, I just, it seems like for something that's got that kind of speed for deposition. Uh, somebody wants to, to see the grids I'm talking about. So let me just grab my camera and do this. That's the grid, uh, honeycomb storage wall. Um, so I got my shaper trace hanging there and a bunch oh, of nerdy stuff. I was wondering where the heck I was going to put my shaper trace. Yeah, it's just two. Uh, it's these are the ruler hooks that I used that in the system. All right, sorry for uh, interrupting you. I just wanted while well, I was thinking, I saw that and was thinking about it. But yeah, I uh, I'm already following along, so I think uh, yeah, I just I want to see whether that nozzle is capable of moving so fast yeah and keeping it all together that's a great right point. and that it's not printing on top of hot yeah filament i'm gonna try that i haven't done vase mode yet on my ender or bamboo because i just haven't had a reason to but i will definitely do it for content but yeah and your grandma wants a vase mode printed vase for christmas okay yeah she back in me. back in my day, we made our bases <laughs> by hand on the lathe. I was trying to think of some sort of dark humor related to my grandmother, but I couldn't think of anything. She uh, does want a base. Uh, uh, you know she wants you, a base. Your grandma. 
I'll have to go back in time like 10 years, but I'll get it to her. There you go. <laughs> uh, TJ, what what the heck are you working on these days? I feel like I haven't talked to you about what you're working on. In this. Right what here. Is that, is that your, your finger? Yes, this is my finger. No, this is uh, this is my forearm next to a, a great big silver maple bowl that I started a couple of days ago and then life and fatherhood kind of got in the way, but um, it needs to get turned again. It's warped a bunch, um, but it's got some really cool curl in it. And then uh, I don't know if we've had him on as a guest in maybe a year or so, but uh, Luke's custom woodworking uh, lives just on the other side of the Mississippi river. I have been causing some mischief recently. We, uh, we found somebody who was getting rid of a nice size pecan log on the Facebook marketplace. And, uh, it was sort of a buy one log, get one log free kind of situation. And so we've been, uh, slowly trying to mill out slabs out of this pecan log in between all of the myriad of other things. And then in non-woodworking news, um, there's a pretty big chain of grocery stores here in St. Louis called Schnooks. It's, uh, it is what it is. Um, that sounds but, made up. That's not real. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's a family name. Um, they, uh, a couple of their locations this week picked up beers from my microbrewery. So our production is now up high enough and meeting the demand of the public that we are in uh, places like Total Wine and Fryer Tucks, if you guys have those regionally. Um, I don't, but I know I've heard of them. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're in, we've been in there for a little while, but uh, getting into the grocery stores is huge because from a marketing standpoint, how does it feel to be a sellout? Is Braden frozen? There he is. No, we, I think you're, I think your uh, data connections being funny. You're buzzing out on us a little bit. Yeah, usually it's me. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I kind of had to move the lappy top, and I still have terrible lighting because I have uh, hard workshop fluorescent lights on me instead of beautiful ring lights and and podcast lighting. Yeah, we'll we'll get you some soft like soft white selfie ring lights. I mean, like and, I'm uh, sure that they exist somewhere in my stash, but like I was doing bedtime until about quarter to nine, so <laughs> this is what we get. How big is how big is that bowl by the way? I, I don't remember if you said how big it is. Uh at its current size, it's probably the better part of 17 18 inches. I mean, it probably oh. won't fit in a cabinet right now, but I think once I get it thin-walled and if it'll still actually take a round shape, it's probably going to be like 16. But it was a, a really big chunk of sweet gum. Not sweet gum, what are you? Silver maple. And it's got some ambrosia in it and some curl, and it's it's doing its thing. Uh, you've been doing a lot of milling recently, too. You've it seems like you've been slabbing up all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Luke's got a really uniquely lucrative opportunity with a, a store that is not far from his residence that uh, will sell finished slabs to tourists and people that come through. 
Hmm. Um, and so the guy runs a sawmill at the location. And then Luke recently built, I think he's even expanded it now. It does like 10 by five foot router sled setup. Oh, wow. And so he's flattening and sanding and filling voids and taking them over. And the guy moves finished slabs. So fin- finished as in dried or finished as in like, are they wet but slabbed? Oh, no, they're they're dry. He's got a kiln also. Got it. And uh, yeah, so they're they're all kiln dried and then he flattens them and puts finish on them and fills the voids and then people buy them and then probably put Amazon legs on them and, you know, call it a day. Yeah. But um, the guy offers a reasonable split and then the stuff that we mill, we're going to dry and uh, finish and it'll go into his store, which is cool. So. He gets a, a little cut, but then we don't have to deal with much other than the drying warehousing or coming up with a way to market or advertise or ship, right? So there's already reach in existence, which is cool. Yeah, figuring out how to stash like a stack of slabs seems like it would be kind of kind of difficult to deal with after 10 of them. Yeah, Luke's, uh, Luke's home is on property. So he has he has many spaces in nooks. And He's houses. got slab space. He's got room for slabs. <laughs> uh, Justin Bailey from Campfire just hopped on. Uh, we said the magic word. It was instead of Beetlejuice, we said bamboo three times. I think he just got the carbon. Yeah, he just got the X one carbon. So he's experiencing that jo- that joy that all new bamboo owners uh, experience the first uh, couple days of ownership. Wow, this is so fast! Yeah, the uh, just watching that first test benchy come off of that thing is uh, mind blowing. I have not printed one single benchy. Have you even three D printed? If you've never printed a benchy, dude, I never printed a benchy, but I did do the puppy. That came with, with oh, the Ender. So I remember that. Yeah, I remember kind that. Kind of the same thing. That was my first ever print was that puppy. Yep. I've got it somewhere. You're giddy? I think it's giddy, like G-I-D-D-Y. I know you're from Italy, but come on. Learn to spell. <laughs> uh, my first 3D print was a flat print movable like elephant because that's what gabby picked and my second print was this 24 hour print this is the center part there's like two other wings that we're gonna get glued on but they were too big for my print uh bed this is a hose reel and charger head storage thing for a electric vehicle because my wife's car we had like a uh like a shovel mount that literally we just like yeah. it didn't fit it didn't really work so we just kind of like coiled for the it up. charging yeah cable. for the charge cable and i thought i'm gonna prove right away that i can do something useful with that and this thing came off and i was so proud of it because this thing's like sturdy like this thing's solid and i went you guys are allowed to have electric vehicles in nebraska we just got electricity last year and we're going we're going yeah. all in on it so um Yes, Luke, we see YouTube chat way easier than Instagram. Um, but yeah, so I printed this. I walked it out and I, I told my wife, I'm like, come look at this. 3D printer's already paying for itself. Went, like, held it up and took her charger and tried to, like, 
poke it into the storage slot here. Didn't fit. Did you guys know that there's more than one style of electric car charger cable head? I did not, but I I guess I, I just assumed that was the case. I assumed there were two. Tesla, not Tesla. And everything else? Yeah. yeah. Uh, turns out that was wrong, and this was not the right piece, and I felt dumb. And that's like a quarter re- or quarter spool of filament right yeah, there? Yeah, pretty much. And it was before I got any of my black filament, so it's like yeah. this like multicolored, changes color directional yeah. stuff. I mean, it's a nice piece. Yeah. I feel bad throwing it I was away. Say, don't throw it away. It's, I mean, this thing's Break solid. It. Break it up into a bunch of pieces and put it into a a box because eventually a reconstituting filament is going to be affordable and reliable. Reconstituting is such a fun word. It is. I don't even know if it's the right word, but it sounds like it's the right word. Uh, but yeah, so then recycling I, is a better. Then word. I reprinted the correct the correct amount for it, and it's smaller and it's not nearly as sturdy, but it's fine. I haven't quite gotten over it yet, though. But one of my first things I was able to print, I was able to show proof of concept on why I now had a 3D printer. And so now it's it's taking up space. Is she all good with it? Is she all good with it now? After you printed the second one that worked? As long as I find a way to pay for the stuff by selling products at some point, my wife is a wonderfully supportive woman that just kind of lets me do whatever the heck I want. As long as I pay for it somehow. Yeah. And I mean that through like selling products to customers, not like yourself, myself. not selling yourself. I gotcha. Also that available. Check out my OnlyFans. Okay. It's all lower calf uh, picks. All stills. <laughs> very tasteful. Um, do they look like that? AI generation of you that you showed me? No, no, they don't. That was, that was one of the mistakes that I've made TJ. So I got a app that allows you to like, it's an AI generating app and you load in a bunch of selfies and it'll load, like it'll generate pictures of you in you know, suits for like headshots and uh, like samurai armor and like just all sorts of nonsense. One of the options is it will, AI generate you just straight ripped, like not a six pack, like an 18 pack, just your six packs have six packs. I made the mistake of showing my wife, Hey, look at this. This is funny. Look, I, there's me ripped. And she's like, yeah, that'd be nice. And then just walked away. (laughs) I was like, God, emotional damage. Yeah. That's, you did it to yourself. Yeah, you, really, you really kind of put it on a tee, though. The second I did it, I'm like, oh, I made a mistake. Regerts. Didn't sleep. Didn't sleep well well that night. No. I mean, I never sleep well, but that one was worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Justin, after after Maker Camp, Justin's no longer allowed to AI generate images. Did you see the image that he generated when we were like coming no. up with T-shirt ideas? Oh, when when we were playing Grand Theft Auto, yep. he generated. No, I did. I don't think I saw. He generated one that was a pun, and it had to do with how do I put this in a way that I feel comfortable being committed to the the internet forever. It was. It involved like a. 
I'll have to show you. But it was <laughs> one of the oddest. Not for Sawdust Talk After Dark. I don't think so. It was one of those things where he's like, it spit out and he's like, I don't know what I typed to get this, but I don't want to type it again. And I was like, go sit across the room from me. Like, I don't want to sit near you. You felt you felt filthy. I felt just concern. It was like, I hope that you hit. I hope you hit the okay with adult content, like for violence type thing. AI is weird. Can we can we just talk about that? Like yeah, AI is absolutely. creepy. It super is. It's a. Uh, it's one of those things where like I think most people can agree that technology in general is neither evil nor uh, good. Um. AI has You've a, seen I, Terminator, right? Yeah. I, I I don't think we're there yet, but but we we could be. But from a from a purely uh tool standpoint, there's definitely a lot of uh use cases that it makes life easier, but there's also a lot of a lot of bad bad ways to use it too. Um we, it makes it makes my Etsy uh, description writing a lot quicker. It really does. I don't think I've written an Etsy description ever. I just plug it in and it spits yeah. something out. I'm like, that's pretty good. What what I've done in an hour using ChatGPT would used to take me like all an all day commitment to put like ten products up. I can do in like forty five minutes now, and and for the most part, they're good and accurate. I've only had to fix a couple things. And they they use words that I would never that I didn't that I don't even know, let alone would think of to use to describe something. I'm like that that's spot on. Words like high quality, long lasting. Yes, exactly. Never would think from to use pearlescent. those. <laughs> from 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 pearlescent. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you throw that in, and then you use like the ai image generation and you don't even have to take good product photos anymore it can just generate backdrops and yep. the lighting is usually fairly good so i was talking to somebody about this i don't know if it was on a live or what but so now my process is so i used to set up a lot of lighting and get my really good camera my sony camera and like dope out a nice scene for my products on etsy now i lay down a leather backdrop that i use plop the product on there, photograph it with my iPhone, bring it into Photoshop, and then use the generative uh, background tool and completely transform the way the background looks. And they look like they were shot in a photo studio. And uh, it saves me a ton of time and, and creates a lot better uh, uh, looking um, photo. And are these all things that you can learn by attending like a workbench con or is there like a bunch of secret meetings of the maker community telling each other all of this hot stuff? Because I kind of feel like this workflow is something that like I figured this a lot of people want to know. I figured this out on my own. I'm actually I haven't done YouTube in a long time and I keep telling myself like many of us in the community that I'm going to get back at it. And that's probably one of the first videos I'll do because it is it's a time saver. And I, I know there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of talk in, in the art world about how AI art is stealing. And I could see in situations where it might, that, that might be the case. Um, but it's really, in my opinion on it is everything's been done already. 
every piece of art in modern art is inspired by something else. So this is basically doing from, from the art generation standpoint, I'm not, I think from what we're talking about creating, generating backgrounds for product photos, I think there is very little possibility to accidentally um, steal someone's art because in most cases I'm using just, I'm just typing in something like, I use a lot of like dark patina e, for lack of better words, um, color palettes in my product photos. So I'll typically uh, isolate my product in the photo uh, and then tell the generative AI in Photoshop to replace the background with like a rustic looking leather or wood grain pattern. And usually it generates a pretty generic but good looking background. And the graph that this AI generative background tool puts around your object is usually at least good enough for an Etsy. Uh, I would say it's good enough for for a corporate website. It's I've had very few instances where I had to fix things myself. Um, sometimes it'll take a while because I just have to keep hitting generate until you get something you like. But it's you can if you got. If you got 20, 30 photos ready to go, you can save a lot of time. I am very interested in seeing this workflow. Yeah, if you have, a, if you already have, if you use Creative Cloud, if you have Photoshop already, it's it's in it's in version or it's in the twenty twenty four release of Photoshop now. Hmm. Basically, if you use the object selection tool to select your product, the less things in the background going on, the easier it is to isolate things. Then you just invert the selection tool and a little thing pops up and it says generative fill. You just type in what you want and it uh, it removes the background and completely replaces it with something based on the prompt you typed. Because, yeah, this is, uh, this is a hurdle that has truly gotten in the yeah. way of filling out either an Etsy store or putting together a Shopify or something just... My my product photos were always, in my opinion, mediocre at best. And now with this workflow, I would say they are between mediocre and good. Hey, <laughs> I would say consistently mediocre or better is exactly the hurdle that I would want for something that is temporary. Actually, let me see if I can pull up an example. I'll show you. Ooh, well, and you know what? This software allows us to share images. Yeah, can you... I? Am, am I able to share my screen? I yeah. have no clue. I'm sure it does. Oh yeah, down here at the bottom. Oh yeah, I see it. All right, let me let me pull one up. I can actually go through this process in like five minutes if you want to see it happen. Is that yeah. something that you're comfortable doing, like yeah, right absolutely. now? Absolutely. Because I feel like we should save this and share this and let everybody know, and then you should make 20 reels doing this exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Here, actually, let's see. I may break our format, but give me a sec. Well, look, I'm down here now. You're not who I want. How do I get... I'm trying to figure out how to get... I think Patrick has to share his screen first. Yeah, let me let me get Photoshop launched. This is pretty exciting. You're, it's going to blow your mind how quick and easy it is. Now, I can't guarantee I'll get good results on the first generation, but I can definitely... It'll definitely show you how it works. And TJ, you don't even necessarily need like Photoshop 
like uh, Bizarre, the app that I use to make all of our all of our podcast graphics, it has a generative background type thing. Huzzah! Like there's a bunch of there's a bunch of apps that you can just do it right on your phone. Yeah, I haven't used a, a, many of the other generative background ones just because I'm I'm already paying for Photoshop. But th- yeah, there's a lot of people doing it for sure. Um, let me see here. Grab a product photo. Man, we're doing live demos now. Right. Well, I, again, it's just like. I enjoy this. I'm stuff. on the edge this, of this my seat be because, like, this is this is a huge hurdle for me. Like, I got no problem making beautiful things, but you know, like the act of getting them to stick to the internet is like, I don't know. It's another extra twenty minutes that I don't know. I keep getting pulled in another direction, but at the same time, like, if this can be done en mass in an hour on a Sunday before everybody wakes up, I'm captivated. All right, let me find something here. Where the heck is it? I'm still at the point where I have so much fun with our tickers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Black Diamond Woodcraft asked, I believe, on YouTube chat, do I have my own website with e-com built in? Um, I have one item on an Etsy page anymore at this point. But I do want to have uh, a Shopify or a website with ecom built in. This is a 2024 goal. Patrick, uh, Mark Weinstock asks, so I don't know anything about 3D printing. Can you run a printer off a Mac? And second, where's a good place to find patterns? Um, you can run a, a 3D printer on the Mac. So basically all you're doing on the computer is slicing the models and then you uh, take it to the printer and the software on the printer does the rest. Uh, a good place to find, uh, what, what was the term you used? Um, patterns. So in the 3D printing world, they're called STL files. You can just go to printables.com or thingiverse.com and there's hundreds of thousands of things you can print there. All right, just be careful. I'm... You uh, you get onto those websites and you just start going through the pages. Oh yeah. And uh, next thing you know, you've got thirty things and none of them are what you were originally looking for. Okay, Patrick, would like you can add them as your guest here. I. Oh, oh. All right. Okay, and so that's basically your thing on a, a desk pad. What are those called? Yeah, let me see if, um, yeah, on a, it's just a leather uh, or a vinyl desk pad. Yeah. Is there a way for me to zoom this out so it's not Instagram scale? Hold on. No, that didn't work. Because you're just seeing like part of it, right? Oh, uh, yeah, but, oh, but right. we can't see any menus. Yeah, Ooh. that's the thing. Um, it's, I think it's because you have me full screen, Braden. Can you control minus your way out of this situation? Mm, probably see. not. I think if you go back to the uh, the format we had before, where it's the three of us, it's going to be smaller, but it's going to at least. All right, let me select my screen again. No, no it just goes to presentation mode. All right, well, let me wing it. Oh, uh, this is cool. Maybe there, there we go. go. Right. How about that? It's the tiniest it's, yeah. presentation ever. But at least 
you can see everything. It's not perfect, but um, all right. So let's, I, I'm going to go through this real quick. I will elaborate on, on this in the future in a video, but um, I'm going to kind of just blab through it as I'm going. So first thing we want to do in this situation is grab the, um, where is it? Okay, so you got a long click on this object selection tool. So this is newer, a newer feature in Photoshop where it'll grab the entire object. So anything that gets pink is considered the object. So we want this. And we wait for it. I'm just tickled pink that we're doing a live demonstration with a screen, even though it's the tiniest demonstration ever. Yeah. <laughs> then it, it didn't grab the knife because it, it decided that was a separate object. So let me bring that into the selection. I just use that with the click. I just use the quick selection tool typically. Okay, so our entire tray is selected. So now we go select inverse selection. So now our background is selection selected. Our object is not. Okay, so now we have, we have this little thing down here. It's real tiny for you guys, but that says generative fill. Click that. Um, and then down here, it gives us a field where we can type a prompt. So I'm just going to go real simple with this. I'm going to start by saying elegant um, black leather table surface you got to be elephant the more the more descriptive you are the better and if you're listening to this on like apple Podcasts later you're just gonna have to use your mind pictures the mind pictures right or you can just wing by youtube or or instagram and uh you can see the micro version of this tutorial and then you'll <laughs> swing over to instagram or youtube and uh, you'll follow Patrick here, and uh, oh, look so at these, that! How these are just who are you? So some of, of them are like dynamite. some of them are some of them are bad. Like that that doesn't work. Uh, this one's okay. This one it kind of added like a wood frame. So like I said, it's not perfect, but you just hit generate again, and we wait. And the more generations you do in the Photoshop version, the bigger your file gets. So if you know you don't aren't going to use some, you can delete them and it'll keep your file size smaller. Let's see what we get this time. And is so that's like, ridiculous. Yeah, but it's like it's in a couch. Yeah. <laughs> I I so, often use my everyday carry trays while sitting on my plush leather couches so i've had i've had good results with this term which is elegant black wood table surface so let's see what we get thanks mark we uh we enjoy what you're doing while we're doing what we do we should just keep doing it together <laughs> all right so that's not bad right there nope that'll work that that's even cool. that's even better. Okay, so we can take another step further. So if we grab the uh, elliptical marquee tool, and I do this a lot because uh, for my product photos because it dresses up, dresses it up just a little bit. And so this is a real simple one. I'll just type in succulent like the plant. Excuse me. This is a this is a family show. Please don't use language like that. You can say succulent on the internet. You can say the succulent on Channel Nine. That's our pub PBS. Uh, affiliate yeah <laughs> look at that so, sometimes the angles aren't great Whoa. but that's actually pretty good 
That is yeah. a succulent. And that the lighting is surprisingly similar to yeah. what you had going on on your knife. Yeah. Yep. It's very rare that the, the lighting is completely off. Um, these are, this is pretty close. So then like I would do these generations a couple times until I got a background I liked and uh, an accessory or two that I liked to dress it up and then just save it as a PNG or a JPEG and off to inst or off to Etsy or uh, Shopify it goes. So that in a nutshell is how easy it is to take just a quick iPhone photo of your product and make it look like it was shot um, more professionally than I could do setting up the same scene. And it would take a lot more time to set it up and light it uh, than what I just did there. I concur. That was awesome. That was super awesome. Well, hello, everyone. My, what a nice wooden background. <laughs> how do I get back? I, what have you done? I got to stop sharing my screen. What, how, what do do I, do? how do I get back to where I was before? Richard, oh, what would no. you do? Your face is so close. There we there go. There we go. Nice. <laughs> oh, this is neat. That was neat. Thanks for showing that us. Was, yeah, that was wonderful. So that's become a big part of my product photography workflow. I'd love to like hire a full-time I, I mean, I have a background in photography. I could do it myself. It just, I don't have the time to set everything up and light it. And I, I don't even enjoy doing it that much anymore. So this is just way quicker and um, saves me a lot of uh, labor time. Well, and it's, I mean, it's just one more of those things like, I mean, like we learned at WorkbenchCon, how many big content creators are doing they're editing all their videos like yep. on their iPhones and it's crazy that we've got these little tiny computers in our hands that are yep. able to create our entire e-commerce presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, so. I got a I got a cell phone story for you boys today that's actually maker related. My mother has several embroidery machines in in her home. That is that is her hobby is quilting and embroidery. And my nephew's birthday is coming up and he is very much into the video game series Elden Ring. Okay. And what you may or may not know is that the number of Elden Ring patterns that exist on the internet already in an embroidery format is very small, right? But with the help of a couple of conversion websites, a little bit of web trickery, and some inverting images, I was able to use my cell phone to basically get her a functional Elden Ring uh -huh. logo in like 30 minutes. And I don't do this ever. I think the last That's time cool. I did this was like 2005. For so what's she, what's she going to embroider it on? Uh, like a technical t-shirt shirt with sleeves oh, i don't, I don't know how to describe it better than that it's like yeah. it's a moisture wicking but yeah yeah support for dudes cool. but yeah it should be like a tasteful little like yeah. three by three right here in the middle and then i think it's got a matching pair of pants and i told oh, them to do cool. it down by the ankle or something yeah cool so yeah it's amazing how quickly you can do stuff like that but you know I, just going in blind a little bit of googly yeah and a handful of taps Cell phones are crazy. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I heard you say technical t-shirt and couldn't figure out if like what other possible types of t-shirts there were. Literal t-shirts, metaphorical t-shirts. Well, this is a spiritual t-shirt. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it it's only a t-shirt. It's a t-shirt. If you're, uh, rubbing a mallet on a crystal bowl, and then the shirt manifests itself, logo and all. One one cool thing to think about though is like you figure that out pretty quickly, but we are still in the minority uh, with what we do of understanding this kind of stuff. Most people wouldn't even attempt to figure that out. So it's it's a cool. I, as makers, I think we're more uh, more prone to like even attempt something like that, whereas um, most people would just go, "Here, you do it. I don't know how to do this." Well, just and I think else. that I think that brings up kind of a good point to something that you said earlier about a lot of people are worried that like AI image generation and AI, you know, Chat GPT are going to take jobs away from people that create, and I I don't believe that. Well, I do, I do in in the pure form, but the people who don't, the people who don't adapt, are going to get left behind, and the people who do adapt are going to continue to have a creative job in a slightly different capacity. Correct. It's going to open up opportunities for people. It's not necessarily you don't have to know how to animate by hand anymore. It's you know, it's the people that learn how to control AI to create the images and create the content and create the art. Yeah. It's just a different medium. Yeah. You still have to have the creative vision and I don't see AI getting good enough in, in the immediate future where the creative vision is going to be better than what a human experience could generate. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. Black Diamond said it really well. It's like buying a $2,000 CNC machine without knowing how to run it or yep. design anything. Yep. It's it's, cool. use, it's a it's a useless tool if you don't know how to use it. And the AI's AI's uh, generation is the same thing. I've used it to generate images of furniture that doesn't exist, and then I use that as kind of a muse to create physical furniture. And it, it's kind of cool for that because what somebody somebody made an explanation to me that I thought was pretty profound. Each one of us has our set of experiences in life that we draw from to create art. But AI allows you allow AI generation tools allow you to extend that experience beyond your own experiences and allow you to create art in your style outside of your experience set. Like I have no experience having a six pack. So yeah. AI lets me generate that. Yeah, exactly. I'm not exactly. sure I could draw a comic book, but I know what I think I want my comic yeah. book to look like. And I could probably write the text. Yeah. And, and like, so yeah, it, it, if you were going to create that comic book for c- commercial consumption, then yeah, it might, might be ethically better to hire somebody to, to ink it. But if you want to create that just for yourself, you're not going to pay an artist to ink your comic book. But now you can have that comic book for your own enjoyment uh, using something like AI. So there's a lot of ways to think about it. And and there's definitely ways that it's going to and already is being used uh, maliciously, but that's like anything. Have you seen like the, I was just watching a snippet of like a Ted talk or something like that. I got, I got just the morsel and they were showing about how like AI has almost immediately shown how, useful it can be and then like in the immediate days after showing how useful it is it was immediately exploited for malicious intent so like they were showing like the the voice generation and how it could take you know three seconds of your voice and then essentially create it out yes yeah that's wild people were using it to like 
fake kidnap kids yeah. and for like hostage yep. type things. And yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to like, I know a lot of people are worried about it because the idea is like, it can be used maliciously like that. And we, mm-hmm. it's kind of like this new technology that we don't really know how far it'll go or like what yeah. to do with it. But I mean, everything is like that. I mean, mm-hmm. stuff is going to be used maliciously. Technology is going to be used maliciously. And I mean, I mean, another, it, another, uh, tertiarily related thing is uh, when crypto started getting big, people were using that to exploit people out of their U.S. dollars, and it was a, a way for them to hide from the man. <coughs> but it's also done good where it's banked people in third world countries who didn't have access to banking their funds. So it's it's another that's another technology situation that is polarizing but um, can be used for good and bad. Wooden Mustache brings up a good point that this is, you know, a lot of this is kind of leading into the actor-writer strike. Yeah. But I don't know. I I think that, again, like we've kind of talked about, AI is useful for creating things, but it's not great at creating a finished product. Like, no, absolutely if we not. want a bunch of reality TV shows, like, AI could probably generate stuff like that. But, but it's going to be garbage unless it's it all has- garbage a creative mind to uh, curate it and, and work it into something useful. Yeah. I, never- I, I never would suggest anybody using AI stuff verbatim. Like I've even created stuff that I wanted to put on like the shirt you're wearing. I, uh, I used AI to, to start that, but there was no way it was creating anything near as good as, as, as what we got the finished product. And that was because I have an ex- a background in graphic design to an extent was able to manipulate the, the thing it gave me and made it an actual funny, usable uh, graphic. I could have designed designed that from the ground up myself, but it would have taken four hours instead of an hour, 45 minutes, whatever it took me to, to manipulate the, the generation that I created. Look at this guy. He can create mayonnaise jars in four hours. Okay. <laughs> Quit showing off. I mean, I knew your 3D printer was fast, but holy moly, four hours for a mayonnaise jar. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. I don't think that AI is ever going to give us RoboCop. Not in our lifetime. It's going to give us like RoboClarp, but... (laughs) Paul Blart. Paul Blart. Yeah, RoboClarp, Maul Blart. Yes. All right, so here's a here's a fun question as we delve out of the the depths of the ethics of AI. If we had to recast RoboCop today, what mm. actor plays RoboCop? This is a great question. You need somebody with cheekbones like Peter Weller. And like who's the dude from Peaky Blinders who's all like really skinny and all cheekbones. I don't know. I don't know. If- it's either peaky or blinder. All right. So here, here's my suggestion. Not an actor, but very much a robot. Um, Mark Zuckerberg. Oh. Zuck oh, Zuckerberg in a helmet. Yeah. I thought he was part reptile though. That doesn't count. I guess. Um, I don't know. Like in all seriousness, who, who I would, Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, that's that. Every he's Daniel Day Lewis movie is awesome. I think it's safe to cast him anywhere in there. He's a bit old for the role, though. 
Yeah, but he could pay uh, our our bad guys who's never missed a Detroit Tigers game. Um, the guy from the first season of The Expanse. I don't think I ever watched that. Um, Ron Swanson. He's in The Expanse, no. isn't he? I don't think West West Chatham, West Chatham, Stephen Strait, Channing Tatum. Nailed it's it. not Channing Tatum. This is this is like this is like the uh, the AI version of the spelling of Channing Tatum. <laughs> the cop. The cop. Well, I don't know. I can't Google this fast enough, and I don't know the show. I don't know. I think that I would laugh my Jason Statham. Um, somebody oh, with Michael Sarah as RoboCop. <laughs> I think that would be absolutely hilarious to me. Guys, put your hands in the air. It's against the law. How about um, um, what's his name? What's his name from uh, um, from Wolf of Wall Street? Not not Leo. Uh, oh, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Jonah, Jonah Hill has RoboCop. That would. I think he could do it. He's got I the. He's got Jonah the Hill. Chops. He slimmed up a bunch so he'd fit in the suit. Yeah, Ooh, Sh- he's Shia got all Luke. that experience doing action movies from 21 and 22 Jump Street. Yeah, true. Shia LaBeouf's a good point. He's crazy enough that it, it, it might work. That would actually probably be off the rails awesome. <laughs> Just do it. Put your hands in the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do it. My uh, my favorite movie to like just recast every couple of uh, every couple months is uh, Smokey and the Bandit, and I have yet to find a better fit for Big Enus and Little Enus than Terry Crews and Kevin Hart. Okay. That would be so enjoyable. <laughs> kind of in the same vein as this. When you guys were kids, did you ever mute the TV and then with your sibling or whatever make the TV like voice over what they were saying? Yes. That was one of my favorite things to do as a kid. Uh, it just made me think of it when we were talking about recasting movies. Absolutely. All right, boys and girls, the time is now 10.06 p.m. We have had a lovely learning experience. We've we've laughed. We've giggled. We've shared hot tips. We've recapped our little. adventures. But now I believe it is time for us to wrap this show up because we promised Patrick a one hour show and I I think we should stay close to it. Um, At the end of the show, uh, typically, Patrick, I I ask our guests and you've been asked this before for a motivational thought or idea or something to share with the boys and girls that are paying attention via video or audio uh, to get them in their shop, get them to kick the door down, get them to make a mess, turn on a tool or or pick up something and think about making. What would you like? Uh, to share? I would say uh, try something new this week. Try something you're not comfortable with. Um, that's legal. Something legal that you're not comfortable with. Something in your shop. Let's let's leave it there. Try something new. Because um, I've seen people in the comments mention they're like, "What what do you think? How, what what's your uh, thought on how hard it is to get into 3D printing?" So that that's an example. Find somebody you know that has a 3D printer and just try it. Uh, whatever it is, try something new and uh, see where that takes you. And before we thank our sponsors one more time, um, Patrick's quote reminds me of another, which is that some folks learn from 
books and some folks learn from direct observation and there's a handful of us out there that have to pee on the electric fence for themselves. Sorry, I'm laughing at Braden's uh, ticker. I love the power that this ticker gives me. I feel like I feel like I've never felt safer from a legal standpoint than having a, a ticker that I can just talk about what we do and uh, do and do not officially condone. This is true. Braden, you want to yeah, yeah. mention I'm, all the different places that folks can listen to us and why surf prep sanders make your woods so smooth? Oh, so smooth. Well, let me tell you about Squishy Sandpaper. I'm just kidding. Go check out their website. Um, special thanks to our sponsors, George Supply Co. and Surf Prep. Uh, we could do what we do without them, uh, but it wouldn't be as much fun. And Surf Prep Sandpaper makes great sandpaper, but terrible tissue paper. So keep that in mind. Um, also, you can save 10% on your orders at Surf Prep with uh, your discount code Sawdust Talk. If you would like to watch this episode again, or if you want to listen to old episodes, you can check them out on Instagram, YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Radio Public, and all the other ones. One day I'm going to remember them all, but there's there we're everywhere. So make sure to go check. Is them it out. on PBS? There is a way to link to PBS. I have not set up a PBS account though. Oh man, you know well, I how bad I want to be a, on PBS. I think they have a podcast platform, so I guess I'm gonna have to go check that out. We are available on all of your favorite podcast episode uh, apps, except PBS, unless PBS doesn't have one, in which case that's why we're not there. But go check out the other ones, and you can watch all of our old episodes. So, yeah, Patrick, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, that was again. a lot of fun, Patrick. I, I cannot wait to see reels with slightly better resolution of what you covered tonight. That was super cool. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I tried doing a pass. I need to figure out a good way to format it for a vertical video, but I'll figure it out. And if not, I'm just going to do it on YouTube. We could always just do one of these in a horizontal format on YouTube and everybody on Instagram would just have to suffer through the format. As we would be to... skinny. <laughs> That's a good idea. It would just That's be great just idea. be our eyes. Yeah, like would it would yeah. it just be like Mark. Okay, Mark. And with that, thanks everybody. You all have a good night. We'll catch you next time. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, now here's the trick. Do I remember how to turn off all of the lives correctly? So you don't swear on live? It's not I'm not even worried about that. It's just you've got to go to each platform. Okay, here we go. End. Bye. Okay, we're still live on YouTube, and oh no, I opened up the wrong window. Where am I? What End stream.